listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to jump in today because we have a lot to talk about. I'll give you some more um, uh, updates at the end. But Eric said he should get the .gov as well. Get the .gov, the .info, <laughs> the .edu. I want to talk to you today. This has been in my spirit. I, I can't, Literally, um, I woke up this morning. And when I woke up, this was already directly in my spirit. And the thought was just there. Like I woke up with the thought there. And um, when something like that happens, <clears throat> it's usually because there are people, multiple people, that are, are battling this very thought process. And when the Lord puts it directly in my spirit, I mean, like right as I wake up, um, it's usually because the spirit of God is leading me because there are people right now that are dealing with this. And so this is going to be a faith building word for you. But as I was just meditating on it this morning, the Lord just kept on giving me things um, for you. And I know that the enemy works hard to try to um, stop people to short circuit their call, their purpose, everything like that. But as I was meditating on it today, the Lord just kept on giving me things from the word as to why it is so critical that you do not quit in what you're called to do. And that's what we're dealing with today. Seven critical reasons that you must not quit. You must not quit. First of all, uh, before we jump in, <clears throat> let me reinforce this thought that your purpose, your calling is extremely important in the body of Christ. You are extremely important in the body of Christ. And I want you to put that in the comment section. I am extremely important in the body of Christ. And though, of course, I know we focus on Christ. He's Lord. He is Savior. He gets all glory. He gets all honor. He gets all praise. But he has created you with a very specific purpose and a very specific call. And that means you're important. He wouldn't have made you for no reason. Because God doesn't do anything without purpose. God doesn't do anything without understanding that he's believing for a return on his actions. And, you know, if you, if you followed me for any period of time, it, I know it was controversial, but when the song Reckless Love came out, we did, I did a podcast episode breaking down the theology thought process of that song. It doesn't even make sense. You know, when you look at the word reckless, meaning to take an action without... Uh, caring about the end result or the consequences, we know God never uh, acts that way. <clears throat> God, first of all, is all-knowing. So he always knows what the outcome will be, but he's also a God of purpose. He always does things for the purpose that they will carry out when they are done. And so God didn't send Jesus for no reason. He didn't send Jesus recklessly. He sent him with purpose to accomplish the purpose that he uh, sent him to, to accomplish. So uh, he would not have created you if there was not an extremely important 
purpose. This is not a replay, and I'm here today. I am back in the studio. Uh, that Jesus would not have come, God would not have called you unless there was an extremely important purpose that you were created and sanctioned to do what you're called to do. So uh, in, these, in these points today, and I want you to write them down, and if, if, you have, if you're just logging on, I had to put it in the comments. I am extremely important in the body of Christ. I am extremely important in the body of Christ. You need to put it in. Never forget it. Because let me tell you, <clears throat> that's one of the first things the devil will try to do to derail you, is make you feel like you don't have value, you don't have purpose. And it's a lie. From the pit of hell, it is a lie. You do have value, you do have purpose, and you are important in the body of Christ. And so... <clears throat> Uh, you have to keep your heart on, like Kathy's saying, you have a feeling of what God's called you to do. You have a leading in your spirit of what God's called you to do. You pursue it with everything you can. And she, Kathy said, I feel God's called me to lead worship, but I don't know when to move on it. I currently sing and lead some, but I feel there's something bigger. Maybe he's going to give you an instrument as well that he'll teach you like he did me. You know, I didn't know how to play the piano or the guitar or anything, but the Lord by the Holy Spirit taught me uh, and I was faithful to study to show myself approved, but you have to uh, pursue it and you have to dig in. And so the devil doesn't want you to continue on in your purpose and your calling, but today here are seven critical reasons that you must not quit. And the first one is, and if you want to put it in the comments, please do. The first one is that God is the one who called you. This is so vital to get it. This is the foundational thought. God is the one who called me. <clears throat> that is number one. Put it in the comments. God is the one who called me. I'm looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and uh, verses 23 and 24. Listen to this now. Uh, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. He will surely do it. He who calls you is faithful. So God's the one who called you. God's the one who purposed you. Now let me read this to you in the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 12. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm, I'm reading verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Listen to this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2. Listen. Looking to Jesus, the founder of and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice that phrase, looking to Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So God is the one who called you, 
And he's the one who is the author of your faith, the founder, if you will, of your faith. And so it's so important to remember that you didn't call yourself. You didn't purpose yourself. God's the one that called you, equipped you, and purposed you in his uh, eternal knowledge. He wouldn't have done that if you weren't uh, the one he wanted. He would not have done that. God didn't accidentally call you. Remember that. God didn't accidentally call you. He didn't accidentally equip you. He didn't accidentally purpose you. He knew you before the foundations of the world were laid and he chose you. The Bible says he chose you. He called you. He purposed you. And that's all, get this, that's all on God's side. It wasn't an accident. Your, your life, your purpose, your call is not an accident. That's why you have value. God's the one that initiated your purpose and call. God initiated it. You didn't. You didn't. I love that uh, Jesus made that point. You know, you've not chosen me. I've chosen you. Jesus is the one who said that. You've not chosen me. I've chosen you. <laughs> Amen. It's like people get saved, you know, they're like, man, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, what happened? Well, he found Jesus. It's like Jesus was not lost. He did not find Jesus. Jesus, you didn't pick him. He picked you. He's the one who initiated your call, your purpose. And he knew you before the foundations of the world were laid. And you, it, should, it should make you so happy to understand and know my purpose, my call, my anointing. It's not an accident. God planned on me doing this. Hallelujah. God planned on me doing this, what you're called to do specifically. And so the first critical reason that you, you don't want to quit, that you don't want to give up or let go is because you are operating under a call and a purpose and an anointing that God initiated, that God set you apart to be a part of. That's so powerful. He's the author or the founder of your faith. He's the one who called you and he's the one who knows how to keep you until the final day. And so don't give up on what God started, what God initiated. He picked you on purpose. Hallelujah. He called you on purpose. If it, and the reason that I start with this is because this truly is the foundational thought that you could get everything else wrong, but it, you can't get this wrong. You can't miss this. Is that, you know, sometimes people think, well, maybe I made room for myself. Maybe I'm the one who had a good idea and stepped out to try to accomplish it. No, God is the one who called you. God is the one who purposed you. In his knowledge, in his wisdom, in his mercy and grace and favor, he set you apart. Don't ever let the devil lie you out of this fact that God handpicked you and pulled you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Diane said it's such a timely word. I, I have a feeling in my spirit because of how the Holy Spirit is leading me that this word is for many people today. Because let me tell you, more than ever before, the devil is trying to make people quit and feel like quitting. This will help you. This will help you. God's the one who called you. That's number one. Number two, number two, others need you. 
And I want you to put it in the comments. Others need me. Others need me. This is so vital. Don't forget that your calling, your purpose, the anointing that's on your life, it's not just for you. It's for all of those that you come in contact with. God placed you on this earth to be an asset to the earth. You are a blessing to this world. Let me encourage you with that thought. You are a blessing to this world. Just the fact that you are here, just the fact that you are operational, just the fact that you are doing what you're called to do, you are a blessing to this world. And don't ever let the enemy make you feel any different than that right there. Well, you know, I don't want to be a burden. You're not a burden. You're a blessing. You're a blessing. Well, you know, I just, I don't, I don't want to get in people's way. I don't want to, I don't want to be, no, you're a blessing. People that know you should be thankful that they're connected to you. You're a blessing to this world. That's what you're called to be. And remember this, it's not just for you. See, here is one of the main things the devil tries to use to discourage people. He tries to get people to feel as though that they are not just a burden, but he tries to get, to, he get, tries to get people to feel as though they're isolated. And that's the biggest trap you could ever fall into. Don't fall into the trap of feeling isolated. You know, even if you're dealing with something, going through an attack, you aren't by yourself. Your case is not unique in that way. And what do I mean by that? The devil tries to make people feel like they're the only one going through this. They're the only one that's ever dealt with this. Well, their case is so unique, maybe God couldn't deal with that. Don't let the devil isolate you into making you feel like you're the only one. You know, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the problem Elijah had in the Old Testament. He felt like he was the only one serving God in a wicked world. God, I'm the last one standing for you. No. And God had to remind him, I've got thousands of others who have not bowed their knee to Baal. And don't let the, the enemy fit, make you feel isolated as though, you know, it's just you. There's no, there's no real purpose. No. Many people that will encounter you throughout your life need what you have. They need what you have. I want you to put this in the comments in this way. Write this. I was sent to my generation. Please write that in the comments. I was sent to my generation. God knew when you'd be alive, he created you. He, he knew when you'd be functioning for the kingdom. He's the one who set you up. I was sent to my generation. You have to know that. Not only, number one, did God call you, and he did the calling, but number two, others need you. You were sent to your generation. Praise God. I was sent to my generation. That's an important thing to keep in mind. Because when you start to feel that isolation, or, oh, I'm dealing with this, there's nobody else that knows, forget, it's not about me, it's about what I'm called to do. If the devil can get us to just be um, inwardly focused, 
self-centered, then we miss out on the true purpose is all of the others that we were called to touch and bless in this generation. And that it truly is. Every person you come into contact with is going to have, you'll have an effect on those people because you've got an anointing that is unique to you. No question. No question. And so the key being, others are depending on you. Imagine if people, you know, think, you know, think at the large scale, think of some of these uh, men and women of God who, if they would have just been self-centered and felt like, well, you know, I, I just don't know if I'm supposed to be doing anything. I don't want to be a burden. Imagine if Billy Graham quit and stepped out of his purpose because he, he, he felt like, well, there's too much going on in me. Imagine all of the people that were now that are now going to be in heaven that would not have heard him speak heard the gospel message and have missed out on what god had for them because one person imagine if dr reinhard bonke had uh decided well there's too much going on in my family my life you know my fa my father and mother were in a prison camp during the war it's been a very rough life i don't know if i'm really sent to my generation imagine if he would not have done what he was called to do and all of the souls that would have been lost because he did not accomplish his purpose. Imagine that. And see, you need to remember others are counting on you. Others are counting on you. And that's so, so important to realize this, that there are many people that, I mean, just think about how old you are right now and, and think about it this way. How many people do you think you've already come across in your lifetime? How many unique individuals do you imagine that you've come across and had contact with in your lifetime? And then how much more do you have to go if Jesus tarries before, before the rapture? And, and how, much, how much more impact are you going to make because you've not even come in contact with some people yet, but you're sent to this generation with an anointing, with a power, with a purpose let me tell you something. Get ready to understand when you get to heaven, the crown that you'll lay at Jesus' feet, the well done, good and faithful servant, there's a lot encapsulated in that. Remember this. He's not just going to say well done because of how you lived your life personally. He's going to say well done because of all you accomplished inside of your purpose that he gave you. It's going to be powerful. You'll never... Here's the deal. You'll never even know until you get to heaven the impact you've truly made on the earth because you'll make impact that you don't even know about. And that should encourage you, get you to start dancing. Let me shift for a second to uh, another point that's it's common to the second point, but it's different, completely different. So number one, God's the one who called you. Number two, others need you. But number three, which is similar but very different, Number three is this, you are the catalyst of other people's call. <laughs> this is more than just you ministering to your generation. This is, if you had not done what you did that God called you to do, others may have missed their calling and their purpose. Talking about their own personal purpose. This is huge. You know, number three, put it in the comments. I am the catalyst of other people's call. What do I mean by that? Well, 
We just talked about Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonnke, right? Imagine if the people that affected them had not done what they were called to do. I read the book that um, Dr. Bonke released, which is, if you haven't read it, you need to grab it. It's, it's awesome. It's written like a novel. It's his life story. It's called Living a Life of Fire. It is amazing. His life story is mind-blowing. You heard me talk a little bit about it. His dad and his mom and his entire family were in prison camps in Germany during the World War. His dad was the first to get out and they didn't have any money, but his dad really felt that he was supposed to be pastoring a group of people that were way down the road from where they lived and he really needed a bicycle to get to them. And he wrote to his wife who was in prison camp and said, do you mind if I spend the rest of our money to purchase a bicycle so I can pastor these people? And she said, do it. She said, do it. Well, uh, in Germany at that time, under the Holiness Pentecostal Church uh, that they were attending, a woman got up. Now see, Dr. Bunke had always said that he was gonna preach the gospel, that he was gonna be a preacher. His parents thought it was a phase, literally. Like, oh, you know, he's just saying that. You know how kids are. And he would say, no, I'm gonna preach the gospel. I'm gonna be a preacher. And uh, they always thought it would be his older brother that would be the one that was really preaching and God using. And he said, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to be a preacher. And he'd always say it. Parents would shake it off. Well, one service in their Pentecostal church, a woman got up who was known by all of the congregation to truly operate in the gifts of the Spirit. The woman stood up in the service and began to prophesy and give a word that there was someone in the room that was going to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and that many were going to be saved and gave this very specific word. Well, they thought she was talking about their older son. But when she pointed it out, she said no. And she pointed at Reinhard Bonnke. And she said, this is the boy. He was a boy at the time. This is the one that's going to fulfill that call. And I'm telling you from that day, nobody doubted it again in his family and in the church, that God had called him. They knew this woman uh, was a faithful woman of God, that she operated in the gifts of the Spirit. Well, imagine if she would not have stood up in her purpose. Imagine if she would have not prophesied. You know, you, you think of all the things <clears throat> that come to pass in someone's life. What if others had not been faithful that would have provoked the call, whether it be Reinhard Bonnke, Billy Graham, whoever, that God had a purpose for them, but he used others. He used others. You know, when I was five years old, you've heard me tell the story. When I was five years old, up in, uh, right on the border of Northern Maine and New Brunswick, Canada, my father was holding a revival at a, a, a small Pentecostal church there. And um, in the middle of that revival, I felt a heavy burden to go down to the altar and, and to pray, though nobody else was doing that, and I was five years old. And my mother said, well, if you feel to, you just go ahead and do it. And I walked down. Well, that pastor, who's an older man, he's gone home to be with the Lord now, but he knew by his spirit, and he felt to do something. And he stepped out and called me forward. 
and he sat down on the platform and he put me up on his knee and told the congregation into the microphone, many of you don't understand what's happening to this young boy, but God is calling him into the ministry to preach the gospel. There are many people that will affect your calling your purpose, but what if they'd never done what they were called to do? I think of a very specific example that one time I was in New England and uh, there was a young girl who needed a miracle. And um, she, she was battling. You've heard me give the testimony. She had a nerve disease. She had a brain tumor. I didn't know what was wrong with her. The service was over. Her, her father brought her forward. I came back out of the green room to pray for her. And when I did, I didn't ask what was wrong. I just laid hands on her, asked God to touch her, heal her. The next day, she woke up for the first time in seven years with no pain in her body. They took her back to the Boston Children's Hospital. They said no, no uh, nerve disease, no brain tumor, completely touched by the power of God. Well, she then went into Bible school to train for the ministry, went and got married, went on to do what she was called to do. But you think about the fact the enemy was trying to end her life, end her purpose. I mean, she was pretty much incapacitated in that way. Her father told me all, all about it enemy trying to end her life at an early age. And imagine that if I had not done what God called me to do, see, here's your power of your purpose. If I had not done what God called me to do, then what would have been the story of that young girl's life? Who's now a mother, so a wife, has children. Imagine her life. See, you don't ever forget that you are the catalyst of other people's call. So vital to get this in your spirit. I am the catalyst of other people's call. If you keep that in mind, then it's the possibility of understanding. This is where God's got me going. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because there are other people that are called to do the same, that I am making an impact in their life. And what will be in the future, possibly their ministry. You're the catalyst of other people's call. Number four, here's an interesting one. Number four, critical reason why you must not quit. You are acting against your nature to quit. If you quit, you would be acting against your own nature to quit. Let me read to you um, from Hebrews chapter 10. And, and listen to this. I'm going to kind of start in the middle of the thought, but I want to show you something. Hebrews 10, 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. Look at this. But my righteous ones shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Why? Verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back. And are destroyed, but of those who have faith 
and preserve their souls. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't quit. We don't shrink back. We don't diminish. We don't retreat. That's against, that is literally against our very nature as believers to quit, to shrink back, to throw in the towel. That is against our nature. The Bible says here in verse 38, the righteous ones live by faith. And if he shrinks back, God is saying, my soul has no pleasure in him. That is the ESV, Kathy. That's Hebrews 10, 35 through 39 in the English Standard Version. We are not called to quit. We are not, on the contrary, we're called to increase, not to decrease, not to throw in the towel, not to quit. And when people quit, think about it, they are acting against their divine nature. I've read it too many times, uh, Proverbs 4.18, the path of the just is a shining light that shines more and more, one translation, that shines ever brighter until the perfect light of day or the perfect day. So think about it. If you have that temptation to quit, to throw in the towel, you are acting against your divine nature. For the Lord said, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We are called to move ever forward, never back. I want you to put that phrase in the comments, ever forward, never back. Ever forward, never back. Hallelujah. Faith moves ever forward, never back. Glory to God. Ever forward, never back. That's our path. Love you, Dad. There's my dad. Don't go against your divine nature and quit. Your divine nature presses on, presses on, presses on, ever forward, never back. Hallelujah. Ever forward and never back. We don't retreat. We don't turn around. We don't stop. We don't diminish. We don't halt. Ever forward, never back. That's how faith moves. We go from faith unto faith, from grace unto grace, from victory unto victory. It's just one step up after the next, and we don't stop. Hallelujah. And see, here's the key. The devil wants you to act against your divine nature and to quit, to stop, to get discouraged, to throw in the towel. I guess it's not working. You keep on moving. You keep on moving. And let me, let me say this to you. Sometimes, not, since my father's on, I'll use one of his analogies. When I was in younger, my father used to preach a message, he probably still does, entitled, The Season of Your Faith. The Season of Your Faith. And you could use, really, this text from Hebrews 10 to preach this message, because after you've done the will of God, the Bible says, then you need uh, have need of patience so that you may receive what is promised. Somewhere between your obedience and the manifestation of God's power is a season of faith. That's where the devil tries to get you to quit, is between your obedience and the manifestation of your blessing, your, your harvest, whatever it might be, in the middle. 
You're trusting God that what you have done and are doing is going to come to pass. And see, here's the, here's the place. In the middle of that, that's where the devil starts talking. To try to get you to quit. Evangelist Ankit just threw in the towel. That his last festival of miracles is going to be his last one. He's done. He just gave up. This broadcast was for him today. I want you to write it in the comments. Evangelist Ankit will not quit. In Jesus' name. I tell you, you'll go to a greater level. Evangelist Ankit. We don't quit. In the middle of our obedience and our manifestation, when the enemy is trying with everything he's got to get us to throw in the towel, that's the season of faith. That's where you stay. Just because you can't see God working doesn't mean he's not working. Just because you can't see it happening yet, God's always at work bringing you to a greater level. Always. Remember Psalm 75 verses 6 and 7, that promotion does not come from the east or the west or the south. But promotion comes from the Lord. And he decides who will rise and who will fall. And so it's not men that, that can promote you. It's not the government. It's not corporations. It's not the culture. It is the Lord God Almighty himself that brings the promotion you're believing for. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He will not quit. And so... Number four, very powerful thought. You're acting against your divine nature to quit, to throw in the towel. Number five, here's an important reason to never quit. Number five, you'll miss your personal rewards. You'll miss your personal rewards. Go to Galatians chapter six. And uh, Paul is encouraging the church. Because let me tell you, every person that's ever done anything for God has a temptation from the enemy, especially when they get tired. That's why it's important. Let me tell you, I'll share something with you that'll help you for the rest of your life. Don't allow yourself to get tired out in the midst of doing what you're called to do. Prior, I preached on this uh, last Sunday in West Virginia that rest is a reward from God to those that have done the work of God. Rest is a reward. Psalm 127, the Bible says he gives his loved ones rest. God gives his loved ones rest. It's a reward. Rest is a reward. In fact, if you go to Mark chapter 6, you know what you'll find? Uh, in, the, in, I believe, verse 31, the disciples came back from doing all that they were called to do teaching, preaching, healing, casting out devils, and they told Jesus all about it. The thing he commanded them to go do. And after they told him, I mean, read it for yourself. In fact, I'll read it to you. Mark chapter six, I believe it's verse 31. Listen to this. The Bible says, I'll read verses 30 and 31. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, this is I'm going to read to you first, uh, Mark 6, 30 and 31. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Notice that after they had told Jesus all that they'd done and taught, 
he encouraged them to rest. You know why? Because rest is a reward for God's workers. And if you feel like, I got to always be doing something, got to always be going as hard as I can, you're outside of God's plan. Because God has a plan for his people to rest, even in the midst of work. And that's a word that'll help somebody. Because in the midst of all this, you're missing your personal rewards. One of your rewards is rest. And if you burn out, get this in your spirit, if you burn out, you'll miss what the Lord wants you to do with the rest of your life. Don't allow fleshly work to burn you out and to burn you up. God wants you to run long and strong. Long and strong. So now we're back in Galatians chapter 6. And um, let me read to you, starting in verse 6. Galatians 6, starting in verse 6, and we'll read to verse uh, we'll read through the end of the thought, verse 10. Listen to this now. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Now look at verse 9. Very powerful. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the household of faith. Notice that Paul would not have to command them to not get weary in doing good if there's not a temptation to get tired and weary in the midst of doing what you're called to do. See, that's why there needed to be a command from the apostle, because the devil does try to get you to be weary in the midst of doing what you're called to do. But notice this, if you quit, you'll miss your personal rewards. What did Paul say? He said, uh, in due season, we will reap if what? If we do not give up. That's why we don't quit. God has rewards ready for his people. God has blessings ready for his people. God has supernatural miracles prepared and set aside for people who will not quit. <laughs> Hallelujah. That makes me happy. To understand the best is ahead, not behind. The best is ahead and not behind. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. The best is ahead and not behind. Don't miss your personal rewards. One of them being rest. Others being harvests. Open doors, breakthroughs, turnarounds. Don't miss them because you quit. You can't lose if you don't quit. Hallelujah. Put that in the comments and encourage yourself. I can't lose if I don't quit. Why? Because you're connected to, a, to a, a family, a body that's already won. Think about that. You're connected to a body that has already won. I cannot lose if I do not quit. I cannot lose if I do not quit. That's a powerful thought right there. 
Get that in your spirit. Keep it close to your heart. I cannot lose if I don't quit. I like Benita. She said, I can't lose if I don't quit and I'm not a quitter. Hallelujah. That's right. That's exactly right, Benita. I can't lose if I don't quit. Hallelujah. And why is that? Because I'm connected to a body that has already won. 1 Corinthians 15 and 57, Paul said, Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we already have the victory through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We have the victory through Jesus Christ. So we can't lose if we don't quit. That's a powerful thought. Victory is sure. It's already been won. You're not going to win the victory. It's already been won. It's been given to you. Thank you, Jesus. And you've got to do, I want you to get this in your heart. You have a due season coming to you. According to scripture, you have a due season coming to you. Thank you, Lord. You have a due season that is coming to you. That's why the Bible says, let us not grow weary. If we don't give up, I refuse to give up. Put it in the comments. I refuse to give up. I refuse to give up. Number six, here's an important one. You are teaching the next generation how to act. Put it in the comments. You are teaching the next generation how to act. Here's a, a, a real striking verse. Very striking. Judges. Chapter 2, this, this is one of those verses of scripture that should hit your belly very, very hard. Because you think about, if you sit there and meditate on this verse, you're like, how in the world did that happen? How in the world did that happen? But this is what I'm showing you. One of the reasons we do not quit is because we're teaching the next generation how to act. And let me start reading in, in Judges chapter 2 and verse 6. Judges chapter 2 and verse 6. And I'll read through verse 10. Listen to this. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in timnath Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. Verse 10, look at this, very important. 
and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, passed away. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. That right there should hit you in your belly so hard. You say, well, how could that happen? How is that possible? The reason that it's possible is because if you'll study uh, other portions of Scripture in Joshua, what you're going to find out about is that when God sent them into the promised land, he gave them specific instructions. You know what he said? Because they weren't the only ones in there. There were other people. And he said, the other pagans that are in the land, he said, don't intermarry with them. Don't let your sons marry their daughters and don't let your daughters marry their sons. Stay separated from the pagans. He said, tear down their temples and their idols and their Asherah poles. Tear them down. Have nothing to do with them. God was calling for a divine separation because he knew that there would be an unholy mixture if they didn't do it. And all of a sudden the Bible says, and they did not do <laughs> what God told them to do. They didn't tear down their temples, their statues, their Asherah poles, their idols, and they intermarried with the pagans. And so what did they do? They compromised who they were called to be and they interconnected with these pagan people. And what happened? That pagan uh, lifestyle got into the people of God. And by the time all the old time faithful people went on to uh, be with their fathers, the Bible says, the next generation rose up. And, and, and here's what's crazy to me about this verse. It says, they didn't even know the Lord. Now watch, and this phrase, or the work that he had done for Israel. <laughs> You've got one, they lost it in one generation. They lost it in one generation. Get this, didn't know the work that he'd done for Israel. That means a whole generation rose up that knew nothing about the fact that he parted the Red Sea. Didn't know it at all. What do you mean the Red Sea crossing? What are you talking about the Red Sea crossing? I don't know about that. What do you mean water came out of a rock? What do you mean food just showed up on the ground every morning and our, and our families gathered it into their tents? What do you mean? I've never heard of that. A whole generation not only did not know the Lord of, uh, uh, the Lord of Israel, they didn't even know the work that he had done for Israel, which means their testimonies fell to the ground dead. Nobody knew the testimonies. See, here is a vital reason why we will not give up. We are teaching the next generation how to act. My children will know the goodness of God. My grandchildren will know the goodness of God. If Jesus tarries, the faithfulness of God, they'll know. They'll hear the stories. They'll see the faithfulness. They'll see the righteousness. They will know. We're not letting another generation rise up that does not know God or the work that he has done in the past. We're not allowing it. We're standing, we're pressing, holding to the things that God has done, to his word, to righteousness. We're holding to it because we're not letting a generation rise up that knows nothing about what God's done. We refuse. We absolutely refuse. 
I want you to put this as a vow in the comments. I refuse to let this generation come to nothing. Make it a vow between you and the Lord. I refuse to let this generation come to nothing. I'm not going to let it happen. Standing up in the power of the Holy Ghost and I will be faithful. I'll never quit. I'll never quit. Hallelujah. And finally, number seven. I want you to put this in your comments. Number seven is this. God is building an army and there is darkness to tear down. I love it. Get this in number seven, vital purpose in your life. God's building an army and there is darkness to tear down. Hallelujah. I'm going to say it one more time. Number seven, God is building an army and there is darkness to tear down. I'll take you to a few verses to get this in your spirit. And you're a part of that army. You're a part of that army. First John chapter three. And uh, of course, you know, verse eight, the Bible says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus appeared to destroy the works of the devil. That's why you're anointed as well. Same anointings on you. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the father. And what's the whole point? Well, he gets ready to teach on the Holy spirit. When I go to the father, I'll send you another comforter who'll be with you forever. He'll dwell in you. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. That's the Holy ghost. Now that you have the same power that Jesus had, You've got the same ability to tear down the forces of darkness with the authority that's been transferred to you. God's building an army and there's darkness to tear down. Hallelujah. You are one of heaven's supernatural wrecking balls called to destroy the works of the devil. Bring people out of darkness and into God's marvelous light. That's evangelism, called to bring people into the kingdom of God, called to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover, called to cast out devils. All these things that the devil is trying to do, think about it this way, all the things that the devil is trying so hard to do in this generation to destroy it, you are called to reverse the curse and to destroy the forces of darkness that are tearing down a whole generation. You're bring, you're, God's raising up deliverers. You say, well, I thought the curse was already reversed. Jesus uh, redeemed us from the curse of the law. He did. But think about this. If none of the body of Christ ever did what they were called to do, 
then what would Jesus' work alone have accomplished? If we never did our part, then what would his part have accomplished? Yes, he made a way. But does he not use his own body, the body of Christ, to do the work of the ministry? Are we not called by God, going back to the first point, are we not called by God to do the work he's called us to do? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you ask the question, if Jesus shed his blood, well, listen, if I go preach and, and, and give a call to Christ, did Jesus not die for those people? Yes. But look at, the, look, at, look at Romans chapter 10. How can they believe in someone in whom they've never heard, about whom they've never heard? How can they call on someone that they've never heard of? How can they hear about him unless there's a preacher preaching to them, right? So there's a whole process. The preacher is sent. He preaches the message. The message is heard. Once they've heard, faith is built in the heart of the one who hears. And they can call on the one that they've now heard of and now believed in because, see how it all works together? And that's the key. You're called to do the work that God has called you to do. And there's darkness to tear down. It's powerful. I'm encouraging you today. Do not quit. Do not quit. Don't even, don't even think about it. Don't even dwell on it. Don't even meditate on it for a moment. That's not who you are. That's not what you're called to do. You're anointed by the Holy Ghost to succeed in all that he's called you to do. You're a blessing to your generation. Hallelujah. You're a blessing to your generation. You're part of the victory tribe, the tribe of Judah. The one that God sends first. Think about that. The tribe that God sends first. We all came from that same tribe of Judah because we came through Christ. And he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Father, I pray for every person that's watching me today. I thank you, Lord, that you have on purpose called them out of darkness into the light. I thank you that you filled them with power, filled them with the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord, that you're using them I pray you open doors for them this year that have never opened. It's our year to go where we've never gone, to do what we've never done, to have what we've never had in Jesus' mighty name. So, Lord, I ask you, open those doors for them. Your word declares that Jesus has the key of David who opens doors that no man can shut, shuts doors that no one can open. And so, Lord, I ask you, open doors that nobody else could open for them. Every door the enemies tried to use to continue to come in and harass their family. Shut that door today by your power, Lord. You'll get all the glory and praise. We ask you in Jesus' name. Now let this be a day that is marked in our own hearts and personal life journals that this is the day I made up my mind. I will never quit. I will never give up in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, and I give you praise for strengthening your people today. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If you believe it, throw some hands up, throw some fire up. Glory to God. I feel the anointing on that today. You're not called to quit. You're called to overcome. You are victorious in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. 
I feel strength on that for, for, for that word today. It's in your spirit. It's not going to come out of your spirit. You know, you have the power. One of the things that I love, there, there is a, an authority, a power. You can preach doubt and unbelief right out of people. You can preach the gift of faith right into people's hearts. I believe you received an impartation today of the gift of faith in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to give you an opportunity at the end of the broadcast to sow a seed of faith. To step out and do something you've never done. You can't move into something you've never had, something you've never done, somewhere you've never gone, without taking those steps of faith. What, what you're doing now is you're preparing yourself for what God has planned for you. And I'm going to tell you this, for those that are faithful, get ready. This is going to be an explosive year for you. Explosive year. I want to challenge you to do something largely today, on this Friday. I want to say this, for those that are sowing $1,000 into this ministry, I have three things I want to send you. Number one, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's book, The Gifts of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. I want to send you Brother Hagin's book, The Triumphant Church, and I want to send you the Net Bible, Full Notes Edition, 60,000 Translator's Notes. These three gifts are not only faith building, but they open your eyes to what you're called to do. The Triumphant Church, you're not called to fail. The gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit are there for you to accomplish that purpose. You're all, all of us are supposed to be uh, walking in and living by the gifts of the Spirit. It's for the body of Christ to profit with all, Paul said. And so I want to challenge those of you that are watching. Maybe you've never done it before. But I want to challenge you to sow a $1,000 seed. Maybe you've never stepped out at that level before. It's time. One of the things I realize now looking back is that when the Lord challenged Carolyn and I to, to sow seeds that shook us up, those are the times that we launched. Like when I tell you, we didn't just grow. We didn't just have increase. It was a launch. It was like things we'd never seen before began to happen and rapidly. And that's what's been happening, especially over these last three years. I've never seen increase like we're seeing now. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. But I'm going to tell you, yeah, Aaron's quoting my uncle who wrote that in my, in my Bible that he gave me. Preach it till you feel it, then taste and see it. Preach it till you feel it, then taste and see it. And so you can go to miracleword.com. You can sow your seed there. You can partner with us. You can fill out that partner form if you click on the partner page. Fill it out. Let us know you're standing with us on a monthly basis. Maybe you can't sow $1,000 today, but you'd sow, let's say, $250. And if you do that, let me tell you, I'm going to send you those two books. The Triumphant Church, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, Brother Kenneth Hagin. For those that are standing at $250 or more today, maybe $100 is what you can do. Do what the Holy Spirit is telling you specifically to do. And let me challenge you, if you've not signed up to stand with us on a monthly basis, I want to encourage you to do that. This ministry is making an impact like we never have. You're a part of it by everything that you're doing to pray for us, to stand with us financially, to be a part of all that God's doing through Miracle Word Ministries. Carolyn and I love you. Before we go, let me give you a couple of things. Again, May the 14th is the Flourish Conference. We want to see you there. It's in Crawfordsville, Indiana, Legacy Church. Um, if you'd like to register to be a part of it, go to Legacy Church 
crawfordsville.com. If you can't remember all of that, just go to our website, miracleword.com. On the schedule page, there is a link that will take you to the registration page. It's May the 14th, which is a Saturday coming at 3 p.m. And uh, Carolyn would love to see you there. It's going to be great. And then Sunday begins our revival at Legacy Church on the 15th. And we're going for four days through Wednesday night. We would love to see you there. Um, And then we're going to Kentucky directly after that. And then on to the first tent meeting of the year in Johnson City, Tennessee. Also, there's a brand new last gen episode available entitled, What is Divine Favor? Alex is breaking it down. Uh, You can follow him on Instagram, the.last.gen. Go check it out on all podcast platforms and subscribe. Finally, we've got shirts that are available, a limited edition run, the last gen release, The Night is Coming, based on John chapter 9, verse 4. And uh, if you'd like to get one of these, there's only a limited amount in the store, but go to shop.miracleword.com and uh, grab them before they're gone. I love you guys. I'm so glad to be back with you today. We took little Teddy to, uh, and and the whole family, but we took him to Universal for his birthday. He was so, so happy. We had a great time with the family together. I'll be back again with you next week before we leave. Uh, So we're back live in the studio. Uh, For all of you that are a part of Bible Study Made Simple, uh, we just had a brand new content drop on Monday, and we're working through these principles of interpretation. I can't wait. Very soon, just a few weeks, we're going to start our first uh, actual book of the Bible study, which I'm very, very excited about, and uh, I'm loving this. We're getting a lot of positive feedback, and I can't wait to see uh, all that God does through it. I love you. Have an amazing day. And so what's that shirt you're wearing? This is uh, the soccer team from Miami, Inter-Miami Football Club. It's an MLS team that launched in Miami a few years ago. And I'm still yet have gone to see a match because they shut the stadiums down for the last two years and we're playing to empty stadiums. I'm going. I'm going to watch them play. I love you guys. Have an awesome day and a great weekend, a great uh, Mother's Day with your, with your family. Bless the mothers. Bless your mother, not just mothers in general. Don't just bless mothers, like running up to a mother in the street. But bless your mother. Bless your mother. Oh, man. I love you. I'll see you on Monday, 1030 a.m. Be blessed. I'll see you later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.